Broncos cheerleaders, and you're listening to Sports Crunch with DCROM. Cats and kittens are. This is Sports Crunch with D Crom. I'm your host, David Cromwell. And when you hear this recording, we will be just eight days away from the 2023 NFL draft. For people like myself and the guests we've been having on the program in recent weeks, the NFL draft is our annual version of Christmas, Hanukkah, or Kwanzaa. And when such a date is so close, it usually needs a lot of last minute activity. And this podcast is no exception. We have Four more shows for you these next eight days, including this one, before Roger Goodell officially opens the 2023 NFL Draft for Business on April 27th at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Today, we continue our annual NFL Draft Divisional Tour with the first of our final three stops in a division where we're likely about to see a huge, potentially transformational changing of the guard, the NFC North. And we are beyond fortunate and blessed to have our very good friend Mark Schofield of SB Nation with us tonight to give us his two cents on what the Bears, Packers, Lions, and Vikings should do when they're on the clock. Mark, it's wonderful to have you with us as always. How are you, my man? I am doing well, David. Like you said, we are, you know, when this drops eight days away, closing in on the NFL draft, we are getting a lot of intrigue at the start of the draft board. We It seems like... All the signs are indicating that Bryce Young will be the selection to start the draft by the Carolina Panthers. Different books have taken him actually off the board. I know DraftKings had him, you know, pretty much as a clear favorite right now. Other books have kind of taken him off the board. Young has actually canceled the rest of his pre-draft visits because it seems like he's the pick of one. So the intrigue we thought was going to start at three might actually start at two. There's been some rumblings that maybe Houston goes in a different direction. We all sort of expected quarterback. Lance Zerline certainly plugged in with the Houston Texans, has said in recent days that maybe they go in a different direction. He actually mocked Tyree Wilson to the Texans at two, which yeah. was a bit of a surprise. Others included Adam Schefter, Matt Miller as well, have talked that the Texans might go in a different direction to two and maybe see what they could do with their second pick, which is right now at 12. So a lot of intrigue. I know we're going to talk NFC North today. Really exciting division. We've got four teams that uh, I think are in various stages of either a rebuild, a retool, or perhaps an eye towards the future. So it's going to be fun to get into those four teams here in a minute. Indeed, and in that spirit, we start in Chicago, where, as we all know, the Bears received a King's Ransom to trade down from that number one overall pick with the Carolina Panthers at number nine overall. And there are two constant themes in the buzz surrounding the Bears at this time. First, they are looking heavily, and I mean heavily, at upgrading the offensive tackle position in order to better protect Justin Fields. And second, they would strongly prefer to trade back again if the right deal materializes. If you're a Bears fan, Would you be equally as happy, if not happier, if the Bears trade down with, say, the Pittsburgh Steelers at 17 and get Darnell Wright there, as opposed to staying at nine and taking, say, Paris Johnson Jr. or Peter Skaronsky? I'm firmly of the mindset that if you've decided that you're addressing offensive line at nine, stay there and take the best offensive lineman available. I mean, yes, there's an opportunity to perhaps come back to, say, 17 or 16, 19, come back to the late teens, early 20s, and still get a good offensive lineman. But what you're going to get in exchange for coming back might not be worth it to pass on the best offensive lineman, potentially the best offensive lineman on the board. This year has to be about 
develop in Justin Fields and getting the best version of Justin Fields you can possibly get. And that starts with making sure you have the best five options in front of them. And look, if you've identified whether it's, you know, Johnson Jr., whether it's Garanti, whether it's Wright himself, just draft him at nine. You know, because what you're going to get in a trade back, maybe a, a, a mid-round pick or something like that, that may or may not pan out. And, and so whatever you can do to get the best version of Justin Fields is what you should do. And I think now something that could throw a wrinkle on that is just say Jalen Carter is staring you in the face at nine. You know, if, if there's a slide for perhaps the best overall player in this draft and he's staring you in the face at nine, then maybe you sort of go off script. But absent something like that, stay at nine, take the best offensive lineman available, make sure you get one step closer to putting your best five in front of Justin Fields this fall. Oh, that is a more than fair point, Mark, and there's a lot of uh, evidence to support your argument there. But uh, let's do a little hypothetical here. Say Will Levis falls to nine, and the Minnesota Vikings at 23, who we'll be talking about in just a little bit, offer you another King's Ransom to move up all the way there, including their first-round pick in 2024 and their first-round pick in 2025. I think Ryan Poles would have a very tough time saying no to that offer. Yeah, I mean, that's almost a, a grandfather, godfather-type offer, right, where you're getting yeah. two future first, And then so from, you know, Chicago's perspective, you're talking about a situation where you've got multiple first-round picks, in the next couple of drafts. I mean, that gives you the opportunity to potentially control the next two drafts. That gives you the opportunity to potentially, if it comes to it, get to one, one next year for Caleb Williams, for a uh, Drake may you know that gives you the ultimate sort of hedge with Justin Fields. So that's the kind of offer that would be extremely hard to walk away from now. Would Minnesota do that? No, that's a deeper question because obviously they're in that bit of a transition mode. I know we're going to talk about them in a minute. Would they sort of mortgage the next couple of drafts to go get a quarterback that you're expecting to sit for a season? I don't know if they go down that road, but if they made that offer, that would be one a tough offer to say no to. I totally agree. And the team that is arguably the biggest reason why the NFC North is a division in transition is the Green Bay Packers. Although no trade deal is imminent as of now and may take longer than some expect to get done, it is pretty much a virtual certainty that they will trade Aaron Rodgers to the New York Jets and hand the keys to Jordan Love this season. And many people are wondering whether or not the Packers will do something they haven't done since 2002, which is draft either a wide receiver or tight end in the first round. Assuming the top offensive tackles, corners, and edge players are off the board by the 15th overall pick, do you think the Packers should strongly consider taking Jackson Smith and Jigba or even Dalton Kincaid with that selection? Kincaid's a player I've mocked to the Packers in a number of mock drafts this cycle because I think even though I think Michael Meyer from Notre Dame is the more complete, more NFL-ready tight end, I think Kincaid fits so well with LaFleur's offense. He could be that move sort of tight end. I remember two seasons ago, Justice Mosqueda, who does great work covering the Green Bay Packers for Acme packing company over at SB Nation watched Kincaid in a game and basically said drop him in a LaFleur offense he's going to catch 125 passes and I think he'd be an ideal player for them so even though you know Kincaid may be tight end two and is probably more limited in terms of the teams he would fit with Green Bay is an ideal fit now if JSN is available I think he could be a fantastic pick for them as well the main thing is it looks like they're going ahead with Jordan Love and so similar to the Justin Fields discussion of a minute ago 
you've got to be able to get the best options around Jordan Love as he transitions to your full-time starting quarterback. And in LaFleur's offense, either JSN or Kincaid would be fantastic picks. Like I said, I've mocked Kincaid to the Packers a ton. I'll probably do it again at least one more time before the draft actually starts. I think he'd be a great pick for them. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Dalton Cade, as uh, your uh, former colleague over at the USA Today Touchdown Wire, Doug Farrar, said, uh, uh, I don't mean to compare Dalton Cade to a future Hall of Fame tight end, and I don't think he means to either, but his skill set looks very similar to Travis Kelsey's coming out of Cincinnati back in 2013. And the NFL is obviously a copycat league, and uh, the Chiefs are officially at Dynasty Watch. And if you want to emulate the Chiefs the best way you possibly can, get a tight end with a similar skill set as Travis Kelsey. Yeah, I mean, look, we like you said, David, this is a copycat league. And again, we're not putting Dalton Kincaid on a Travis Kelsey-like path or sort of platform, but the skill set, the traits are similar. The usage could be similar. Now, ultimately, it would be up to both him and his NFL coaching staff to become that kind of player. But the trajectory is possible. The skill set is similar. And the usage, if it's emulated, it, the, the path could be the same for both players. Oh, it most certainly can. And as of right now, the Detroit Lions are the consensus early betting favorites to win the NFC North in 2023. And there's a very good reason why. In year two of the Brad Holmes, Dan Campbell era, the Lions finished the season on an absolute tear, winning eight of their final nine games after beginning the season just one and six. Furthermore, they addressed the biggest weakness on their roster in free agency, that being the secondary, with some excellent signings in Cam Sutton and C.J. Gardner-Johnson, and their last two draft classes look like absolute home runs. But that's not all. Due to the Matthew Stafford and T.J. Hawkinson trades, they have four picks in the top 60 as of right now. If you were a betting man, would you place a bet on the Lions winning the NFC North literally right now in anticipation of those odds only going up after the draft? David, you're assuming I haven't done that already. I mean, that's how <laughs> confident I am in the Lions. Look, they, they've had a they had a tremendous end to the season. You know, I, I remember last summer telling people that one of my quote unquote hot takes was when we get to the holiday season, right? And we're watching games on CBS and Fox, so they have the little playoff graphic, and at the bottom they say in the hunt. I kept telling people that summer the Lions are going to be in the hunt until the end, and they were. You know, it was one of the few hot takes I actually got right. And they were in it to the final Sunday of the season. And you look at what they've done this offseason. You mentioned the additions in the secondary. And I still wouldn't rule out a corner at six. We're going to talk about that really? in a minute. You know, but you also, you mentioned the Hawkinson trade, the Stafford trade. They have a lot of draft capital at their disposal. They obviously have the two picks, you know, inside the top 20. They're going to pick at 48, a pick at 55, a pick at 81. Like you've got a number of picks where you can add some top flight talent. So I'm a big believer in the Lions. I think they're the team to beat right now in the NFC North. And I think, as you said, as you sort of alluded to here, they're going to really get better throughout the draft as well. And it wouldn't surprise me if those odds become even greater in their favor, making it a much better, safer bet, smarter play to do it now as opposed to two weeks from now. Oh, you and I are in agreement about the Lions as well. I was talking about the Lions as a division favorites for 2023 back in uh, January, dare I say. So you and I are aligned uh, right there. But as great as things are looking right now for the Lions, there is, however, another side of the story. The Lions do seem content on rolling with Jared Goff for the foreseeable future, as there has been absolutely zero buzz that suggests that the Lions are considering either trading up to a two or three to get a potential long-term quarterback or selecting one that could even follow them in six. 
Do you think the Lions are making a mistake by not making such a move, even if they don't love any of the quarterbacks that fall past the Texans or Cardinals? You know, I sitting here right now, it's hard to say that they'd be making such a mistake without knowing exactly how the board falls. I mean, there's a number of different ways that this could play out where you could say, okay, say they sit there at six and uh, by some miracle, Stroud, Richardson, and Levis are all staring them in the face and they decide to go in a different direction and take maybe CB2 at that point. You know, if all three quarterbacks are still available and Young's the only one taken, there'll be some good defensive players that have gone. And if they go for another defensive player and take maybe CB2 or, you know, edge three or something like that, you might view that as a mistake, you know. But at, at the same time, they're in such a good position here where in all likelihood, I know as we get closer to the draft, the idea that we see a three QBs in the top five, QB, 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 QB to start with four QBs off the board. That seemed to be an in vogue idea, say two weeks ago. It seems like we're moving away from that, with this idea that yeah. Houston could do something different. And so it's harder to really envision that scenario. But if that indeed is what happens, if we get three QBs in the top five, Detroit's going to have their pick of some of the best defensive players in the draft dude, with needs at potentially added an edge to put across from Aiden Hutchinson. You know, I've been hold, told Tyree Wilson is an option for them. You know, they could be looking at Jalen Carter defensive tackle is a huge need for them. And so there's an opportunity to add a blue chip type prospect, potentially one of the best players in the draft of a certain position with that pick at six, because they still have the pick at 18. And there's an opportunity to perhaps address quarterback at that pick. It wouldn't surprise me. If we see Hendon Hooker sneak into the first round, if he's their thought at 18, because again, they've got Jared Goff in place. They could roll with one more season of Goff. Hendon Hooker could take a medical slash developmental redshirt type of year, because I think the biggest question, and you and I talked about this recently, the biggest question facing Hendon Hooker isn't the knee, it isn't the age, it's the offense. It's how he's going to translate from that Josh Heupel sort of Baylor type of offense to a more NFL system. Now, look, their offensive coordinator is brilliant, and I'm sure he could find a way, but I'm also sure that he would love a year to work with Hendon Hooker before handing him the keys to the offense. And so Hendon Hooker at 18 to Detroit makes a lot of sense to me. And so I think they should look at their best available option at six and then see at 18 if Hendon Hooker is there because that might make sense. Oh, you bring up a fantastic point about Hen and Hooker being a potential option for the Lions at 18, and here's why. It is very essential for all NFL fans to know that Dad Cabell is an offspring of Sean Payton. He sees the game of football in very similar ways as Sean Payton does, including the quarterback position, I'm sure. And uh, there was buzz uh, going around at the Combine that both the Saints and Broncos were uh, enamored with uh, Hendon Hooker. Mm -hmm. And uh, with uh, Dan Campbell having that similar mindset, uh, it figures that the Lions would be too. Yeah, and and you are hearing a lot of buzz in recent days about Hooker getting into the first round. And look, David, you and I have been around a long time. We've been doing these shows. We've been following <laughs> the draft for a long time. We remember, you know, the, the Davis Webb first round buzz, the Nathan Peterman, the, the Mason Rudolph first round buzz. But a lot of that like late first round buzz about one more quarterback into the first round, it always had the flavor and the feel of, oh, some team's going to come back in just to get that fifth year option. But you look at this year's draft, you do see legitimate landing spots like Detroit at 18, like Minnesota at 23, where you could actually see a team that has a need at the quarterback position for, for the future 
take a take a, a quarterback. Seattle again, another one at twenty. Where yes, they've got Geno Smith, but in Indianapolis, you know, John Schneider, Pete Carroll talked at length about potentially drafting a quarterback at five. Now, ultimately, I don't think they will, but that could also be a landed spot for Hendon Hooker. And so, I think there's a lot of buzz about Hooker coming into the first round. I think Detroit does make some sense. And so, you know, this might be the year where that late buzz on a quarterback get it into the first round joining the groups the guys that are already there might actually come to fruition oh it certainly might and uh, if you're brad holmes uh, the uh, general manager of the detroit lions are you at least uh, these next uh, eight days or so picking up the phone and talking on a near daily basis with uh, nick casario texas general manager and cardinals gm monty osenford about potential costs about moving up to two and three overall if you feel like it you got to be prepared for that scenario if you're the lions in my opinion i mean look i i think as we get closer to it all the general managers are doing their due diligence i mean casario talked you know earlier this week about you know he's had calls about two and you have to certainly walk work through those options you know because take the hypothetical you posed earlier where you know ryan poles gets the call from the vikings and says hey look here's multiple future first we want to come up to nine because a quarterback we like has fallen and we want to go get our Kirk cousins replacement like you know, people, myself included, I do mock drafts. I make fun of mock drafts, but teams do mocks as well. They work through these potential scenarios. And so I think if you're Brad Holmes, you at least see what it would cost because we don't know what their quarterback board looks like. Maybe they absolutely love CJ Stroud. And if Stroud's going to be available too, maybe they want to see at least what it would cost them to go get him a two. Now, maybe the cost would be prohibitive and they say, okay, well, we're not going to do that because we have an opportunity to stay at six and grab somebody who think is going to be an impact player right away, but maybe not, you know, maybe they do make that move. And so I think it's at least worth these conversations. And that's, those are the kinds of calls that are being made in the last eight days or so as teams have finalized their boards and now they're saying, okay, what would it take to go get this player or that player? What would it take? What would we have to give up? And for a team like Detroit that has all the draft capital we've talked about, maybe they're willing to make that move. It's going to be very fascinating to see what the Lions do uh, in this draft. And speaking of quarterbacks, as we alluded to earlier, there is a lot, and I mean a lot, of buzz about the Minnesota Vikings taking a quarterback early in this draft. Kirk Cousins is entering the final year of his current deal and seems to be willing to bet on himself this season before doing a new deal. And also, the Vikings' decisions this spring suggest they may be starting a potentially major roster overhaul. Although they are highly considering trading up to get a quarterback, the problem is, is that the Vikings only have five picks as of right now, and it would cost way too much to trade up into the top seven picks from that 23rd overall spot. So, assuming none of the top four quarterbacks slide past the top seven, how much sense would it make to you if the Vikings actually trade down into the early second round and subsequently roll the dice on a hen and hooker there? Yeah, I mean, the fear becomes, why not just take him at 23, right? I mean, if you're like we sort of talked about, if you're of the mindset that the roster retool and changeover is in process and you think Hendon Hooker is the guy after Cousins, but you want to take that sort of redshirt developmental bridge type season, then get him a 23. You know, and I've heard legitimate buzz as well, not just about the Vikings at a quarterback, but about Hooker at 23. And I thought one of the more interesting things I've seen all draft season was, you know, I think it was two weeks ago, there was a lot of discussion about Arizona at three moving out because teams want to come up for a quarterback. 
And Josh Norris from Underdog Fantasy threw out the Vikings, coming all the way up from 23-2-3 for a quarterback. Now, would their limited draft capital, would they, as we talked about, mortgage the future? I'm not sure. But Hooker makes some sense to me, at least, for Minnesota. Now, I'm always of the mindset that don't leave it up to the football gods. Like, don't roll the dice that you move out of 23 and then, you know, a team behind you or a team at the start of the second round comes up and gets your player, like stay there and sort of draft your guy. And so if you've got this idea that hooker can be your next quarterback, just take him at 23. Absolutely. If you love a quarterback, do not risk losing him. Just take him where uh, he's at. And uh, when it also comes to the Vikings in the draft, it is very important to know that uh, their general manager, Kwasi Adolfo Mensah, no GM loves analytics more than he does. Uh, he made a gigantic trade down the board from the uh, 12th overall pick all the way to uh, 32 last year. And uh, he traded back again at, from the uh, top of the second round with uh, the uh, Green Bay Packers. So if history is an indicator, uh, Kwesi Adolfo Bedsaw, uh, assuming he likes but doesn't love headed hooker or whatever quarterback falls within his range, he'll more likely trade down than up. From 23. Yeah, I mean, that's been his MO, right? That's what yeah. we've seen from him so far over his draft experiences. He's not afraid to co- sort of come back down and, and accumulate future picks. And so, you know, if he's sort of lukewarm on Hooker or maybe thinks, you know what, he might be there, you know, maybe he'll have a much, 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 much better feel for this board and how it's going to unfold. And so, you know, I'm of the mindset that no, you stay there, you draft a quarterback. You know, he might sort of look at it and say, you know what? If we come down to, say, 36 or we come down to 39 or, you know, 42 or something like that, he'll be there. He's not going to be afraid to do that. And if, for whatever reason, Hooker comes off earlier than that, he'll be fine with that, too. He is Mark Schofield, ladies and gentlemen, of SB Nation. Follow him on Twitter at Mark Schofield. Mark, thank you so much for joining us once again. But before we let you go, we do this every year on our NFL Draft Divisional Tour. Three-round mock drafts for all four teams in the division, and we start with the Chicago Bears using the PFF uh, mock draft simulator. Uh, on the clock at nine overall, uh, we have our pick of the litter of offensive line, Peter Skaronsky. If you think he's a tackle, then I wouldn't hesitate to pick him here, but you also got Paris Johnson Jr., Donald Wright, and Broderick Jones on the board. Uh, take your pick amongst those offensive linemen. The person I trust most when it comes to offensive line play is Brandon Thorne. You and I both know Brandon. We've known him for years. And I was in the room in Indianapolis when Skaronsky was at the podium and I was talking to Brandon Thorne. And Brandon told me that bar none, Skaronsky is his favorite offensive lineman in this class. He compared him to Joe Tooney, which obviously you get that sort of guard comparison. But he said he would have no problem starting them a tackle. He could see him playing left tackle, right tackle in the National Football League. I said earlier that you got to get your best five in front of Justin Fields. Skaronsky, his versatility, his ability, the fact that he could play inside or outside, turn in the card, just draft him. I know that there are trade options out there, that there's op- opportunities perhaps move down draft him run to the podium yeah enjoy it thankfully there are no trades allowed in this box so peter skrotsky is indeed the pick for the bears at uh, number nine overall and as i said on our uh, offensive line uh class preview episode uh, a month or so ago with jeff barnes uh Skaronsky, in a way, is kind of like Elijah Vera Tucker of the Jets with that positional yep. versatility superb technique uh Vera Tucker uh Vera Tucker's more of a guard but he kicked out to a 
tackle for a game or two last year, and he was sensational at tackle despite his uh, lack of length. And Skorowski is an even better tackle than Barrett Tucker was at college, so I think he's definitely worth the trouble at nine. I think so. And, and look, I it, it's sort of the old, you know – you know, Dante Skarnakia, like, I don't care what his arms are. Can he get to the spot? Right. Like yeah. I, that's how I view Skaronsky. Like he can get to the spot. He's a fantastic player. Just draft him, move on. And the bears are back on the clock again at 53 overall, the pick they got for the Ravens in the Roquan Smith trade, the bears, uh, they need a long-term answer at center as well. It wouldn't hurt to double dip out the offensive line here. Uh, Luke Weipler, I think is a tailor-made scheme fit for uh, the uh, Luke Getzia zone-based offense, but he also got Joe Tippett from Wisconsin available. Uh, they also need corner help. Julius Brents is a very, very intriguing trade-based uh, prospect. Uh, Cody Mock, uh, I've heard some teams like him at center. Cody Mock, uh, and, he, and that play demeanor could very much endear him to Ryan Poles, who was an offensive lineman himself during his play days at Boston College with somebody named uh, Matt Ryan. Uh, Isaiah Foskey out of Notre Dame. Bears need a lot of uh, edge help. Uh, even John wow. Michael Schmitz is still on the board. The Bears have their pick of the litter at center here. Do you double dip on offensive line here? Because uh, as much as I love Cody White here, he's an honorary friend of this podcast. Uh, this could be his final year with the Bears. Yeah, this is, man, this is tough because you've got your pick of the centers, and I don't know if they'll be there when you're on the clock again. Um, at 61. Yeah, let's do it. Let's take Weipler. I think you're right, David. He'd be a fantastic scheme fit in that offense. They do have a needed center, if not right away, then in the future. And again, get your best five in front of Justin Fields for not just this year, but beyond. I love that. Absolutely. So Luke Weipler, the pick at 48 for the Bears, and now at 61. And the pick the Bears got from the Panthers that traded this originally belonged to the 49ers until they traded this one away for Christian McCaffrey. I really like Isaiah Foskey right here. Uh, you definitely need to juice up that pass rush. Uh, Foskey is the best edge on the board, in my opinion. Herbig is kind of like a, a tweeter kind of guy. The length kind of concerns me at, the, at this point. But he could be a good value, let's say, in the third round. Uh, I just like Foskey better just for uh, my taste. Uh, DJ Turner's the best corner on the board for Michigan. Or if you want to uh, uh, triple dip on offense, so to speak, especially up front, Darnell Washington. He could be a great sixth offensive lineman, essentially, to start out and then develop I mean, into he, a nice he, weapon for Fields. He could down the be. Road. He could be. But Washington is kind of one of those players where it's like, I think he's going to be a great pro, but I'll let somebody else draft him. I'm going to make my pitch, honestly, for DJ Turner. I love him. I love his game. I love his versatility. In fact, he can play inside, outside. And hey, look, look, we could double dip right now because you could get your guy Foskey here at 64. Yeah. How about I that? Perfect. Perfectly planned, Mark. So that concludes our three-round mock draft for the Chicago Bears. And now the Green Bay Packers are on the clock with the 15th overall pick. Uh, Lucas Van Ness, Deontay Banks, Brian Branch, Joey Porter Jr. Paris Johnson Jr. is still on the board. If he's still on the board here, you have to highly consider him because David Bakhtiari is getting old and those knees are getting worse, unfortunately. Yeah, just scroll down. as I want to see just, okay, yeah. You know what? You're right, Dave. You, Michael Myers intriguing here, but the fact that Johnson's staring you at the face, like, I think this is a run to the podium kind of moment. Oh, I'm sure Brian Gutekunst, uh, who has built offensive lines very well with Aaron Rodgers uh, these past uh, several years, would definitely agree with you. Paris Johnson, the pick for the Packers at 15 overall. And we are about to be on the clock again right now at 45. And we are. Sam Laporte is the best weapon on the board. The uh, tight end from Iowa. 
uh, Steve Avila from TCU. We already uh, gave Luke Whitmer to the Bears. Luke Musgrave. Uh, if Luke Musgrave wasn't uh, hurt a, a lot in college, he yeah. would have been picked mm. much higher than this. It's just the injury risk kind of scares me away from uh, Luke Musgrave. Jameer Gibbs. Yeah, you still have Aaron Jones and you still have A.J. Dillon, but Aaron Jones, you're probably going to let him go after this year. And a quarterback's best friend is that short area target in the flats and over the middle. Jameer Gibbs would be a great friend to Jordan Love in that passing game. Yeah, I'm down between Laporta and Gibbs here. I mean, I'd really like to address tight end. I think Laporta would be a very good fit. I also look at Gibbs. I think he'd be an ideal fit. I kind of like the depth of the running back position a little bit more. So I'm going to lean towards Laporta here. Yeah. Sam Laporta, the pick for the Packers at 45. Uh, and uh, your uh, Fred Doug Farrar also said that uh, the reason why uh, he didn't put up uh, all-star numbers in college was because he played in that Iowa offense where he wasn't showcased that much. I'm not saying he's going to be George Kittle, but he could have a very similar leap in production as George Kittle did going from Iowa to the NFL. Yeah. And look, when Doug speaks, I listen. And, you know, I think Iowa tight ends, um, you know, the lack of production is certainly something that you take note of, but you look at how they're used. They're ready to make the leap to the pro game. So I think that certainly works for him. And look, the, the pick here at 78 is pretty easy in my mind. Jalen Hyatt. Yeah. Jaylen I know he can do like one thing, but he does it extremely well. And I, I think Though know, that will give them a downfield threat, the Porter underneath. I really like that little mix for the Green Bay Packers there. You can never have too many vertical threats in an NFL offense these days. And pairing nope. him up with Christian Watson would be perfect for, for Jordan Love to test that uh, gifted young arm out. And now the Detroit Lions are on the clock as we start their three-round mock here. Jalen Carter is still on the board, but as I've been saying since before the combine, Devon Witherspoon from Illinois, he is a Dan Campbell kind of player. He just hits you in the mouth, literally. He, he is he might not be the biggest corner, but he plays like he's the biggest corner on the field. Uh, if uh, the Lions uh, do not uh, like uh, Jalen Carter's character background check, Devon Witherspoon should be the home run pick here, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you, David. Like, I, I've written that too, right? I, I've written it a couple of times with Dan Campbell, Devon Witherspoon. just seems like a match made in heaven. I know I talked earlier about if Jalen Carter is staring you in the face at six, you take him. But I, I think Witherspoon's a fun pick too. And I know that, look, they added to the secondary, but I still think corners are need. Let's, let's go with Witherspoon. Yeah, corner is definitely still a need, especially after trading away Jeff Okuda to the Atlanta Falcons last week. And we're back on the clock again at 18 overall. Uh, Deontay Banks, uh, if you want a double dip a quarter, put uh, Banks and Witherspoon on the boundaries and Cam Sutton in the slot. Uh, that's something you could easily consider here, but you also need help uh, up front. Uh, Nolan Smith, he could be an ideal complement to Aiden Hutchinson. I think the Lions have enough bodies on that defensive line where they could deploy Nolan Smith in a similar way that the Eagles deployed Hassan Reddick last year. Yeah, I mean, look, the, the, the size, the skill comparison, uh, the trade comparison between Hassan Reddick and Nolan Smith is pretty much one-to-one. -one. I mean, they're almost the exact same size, and so that's a pretty easy comparison. I'm thinking... You what know about what? Bijan Let's... Robinson? Yeah, I just saw that. <laughs> Man, I mean, you know, you add in Montgomery, you've got Swift. I, I think you wait on running back. I'm Absolutely. Going between... I'm going between Brzee, who I seem to like more than most, and Nolan Smith. 
But I think in today's NFL, look, you can't have too much pass rush. And let's go Nolan Smith. Nolan Smith, the pick for the Lions at 18. And now we are going on to the second round where the Lions uh, have picks 48 and 55. 48 be their own at 55. They got from the Vikings in the TJ Hawkinson trade. Uh, Josh Downs, uh, they already have Amaral St. Brown and Jameson yeah. Williams. Uh, I think you could get a niche wide receiver later on in the draft. Uh, Jack Campbell from Iowa. Now, now this is an interesting decision for them. Yes, I like uh, Malcolm Rodriguez and the job he did, but I think in the defense that Aaron Glenn runs, they want uh, more players like a uh, Jack Campbell. Jack Campbell's that hard at lunch pail, Dan Campbell kind of guy. Uh, like it, it wouldn't hurt to have uh, both him and Malcolm Rodriguez at that linebacker position in base packages and in nickel packages too. Yeah, scroll down. I just want to see. Hmm. Yeah, it's thinning it out. War on the clock again. Drew Sanders. Now, uh, uh, oh, but we already took Nolan Smith. But I just thought of Drew Sanders as a nice edge compliment to Aiden Hutchinson as well. Yeah, no, let, let's go with Campbell because I have an idea what we're going to do at 55, and I think it's going to be fun. Yeah, Jack Campbell, uh, the pick for the Lions at 48. Now we're back here at 55. Uh, Joe Tipman uh, is the highest player left on the board, but they already have a great center in yeah. Frank Ragnow. Drew Sanders, uh, like uh, if you, uh, but we already took a linebacker, Jack Campbell. Zach Charbonnet, but keep in mind that Montgomery is essentially on a one-year deal because I pretty much think most of the guarantees, if not all of them, are paid out this year. Yeah. So, uh, so we already took Foskey. Uh, for the Bears. Uh, Antonio Johnson now. Keep in mind, C.J. Gardner-Johnson is just on a one-year deal, and he is a character concern for what that's worth. So uh, Antonio Johnson uh, could definitely Johnson's be intriguing. Yeah, that kind of intrigues me, but I like Charbonnet here. Or uh, Darnell Washington, if uh, you want that uh, tight end. Uh, the Lions do need yeah, a tight let's end. See. They do need a tight end. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Let's go Washington. Yeah, Darnell Washington. Uh, unfortunately, I stole that from a Dade Brugler who uh, mocked uh, Washington to the Lions with the 48th overall pick in his uh, seven-round mock today on The Athletic. And let's conclude this three-round mock for the Lions at 81 overall. We already gave a uh, high to the Packers. Uh, we already gave them Darnell Washington, so Tucker Craft is not the picker. Hedden Hooker go. is still here. Hedden Hooker I is I knew he'd be there at some point. <laughs> I knew he'd be there at some point. Let's Absolutely. Go. And if uh, if you could get Hedden Hooker in the second, third round, at least in my humble opinion, that's where I personally believe he belongs because uh, on quarterbacks that are almost exclusively traits, but have uh, like concerns about scheme and, and stuff like that. Uh, the second round or third round is where you roll the dice on, on those kinds of guys. And hooker is one of those guys. And if the lies can get them in the third round potential steal, I completely agree. And last but not least the Vikings three remark. They only have a uh, two picks in the spot because we're not allowed to trade at 23 overall. Paris Johnson is still here, but we gave him to the Packers. Can't do it. Uh, Miles Murphy out of Clemson. Yeah, Daniil Hunter getting a little long in the tooth. And Gary uh, Smith could Any be corners left? Out. Any corners uh, left? Yeah, let's see. Uh, wow. Corners Emmanuel, are gone here. Emmanuel Forbes. I like Forbes. Yeah, I like – let's do Forbes. I like Forbes a lot. I, I'd be stunned if he's still there at 31. Like, PFF has him ranked at 31. I think he's going top 20. Makes sense here. Yeah, absolutely. A corner with his ball skills, even at that weight, uh, shouldn't be an issue because uh, he plays much bigger than that weight. And uh, you, it, ball skills are one of the most important traits to look for in a corner. And Emmanuel Forbes has that in spades. Now, at 87 overall, 
the Vikings. Keep in mind, you don't have Adam Thielen anymore. A.T. Perry, this uh, looks like a very promising young prospect. He's got a lot of Tim Patrick uh, to his yeah. game. And, uh, Tim Patrick, that un uh, that underrated receiver for the uh, Broncos, who they sorely missed last year. Uh, Perry could be an ideal compliment to Justin Jefferson. Yeah, I mean, I do want to see who's available. Uh, let's see. Yep, 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 yep. Sidney like Brown. Sidney Brown. Brown. I oh, like Sidney yeah. Brown. You need your Arthur Harrison Smith replacement. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Let's do Sidney Brown. I like A.T. Perry a lot, too, but Sidney Brown is just a great football player. He sure is, and he would be a more than ideal long-term replacement for Harrison Smith. And once again, he is Mark Schofield, ladies and gentlemen, of SB Nation. Follow him on Twitter at Mark Schofield. Thank you so much, Mark. And that's it for today here on Sports Crunch. But we'll be back in just a few days as we make the penultimate stop on our 2023 NFL Draft Divisional Tour in the AFC East. So stay tuned. Also, be sure to follow me on Twitter at dcrump 59 and on Instagram and now TikTok at SportsCrunch with DCROM. And remember, that's Crunch with a K. Also, keep an eye out later this week for more details on our 2023 NFL Draft live stream that my right-hand man Hal Benton and I will be hosting on the night of April 27th as the picks come in. For Mark Schofield, this is David Cromwell saying so long, and whatever you do, please choose love. Please choose kindness, please choose compassion, please choose selflessness, and please choose empathy, which are the core characteristics of the best teammates and teams in all sports. Until next time, cats and kittens, stay cool.